0: that's right we are back and it's finally the end of season two bb's holy shit we made it to season two i cannot believe that we are going into my favorite season here for some bonus happy i can't believe that i had to listen to you bitch at me about this being your favorite season since season one i know it's gonna be real fun and chaotic seasons three and four and honestly the first half of season five are the golden era of the show in my opinion Oh, good, because I thought that this was going to be the highlight of the entire series, and then it was going to just be downhill from here on out. Oh, absolutely not. It's going to get real fun, real cuckoo bananas, real, like, every character that you want to have a plotline, because now they're fully formed out and, like, fleshed out, gets something interesting next season, and Liz fully gets to be Liz- in the series and i cannot wait because she gets her own plot lines going forward and i'm like it's about fucking time it's it's what we deserve at this point it's truly what we fucking deserve liz is um, a seriously underrated character and i want 10 episodes just focused on her at this point yeah and we finally get the the carver as a main villain and oh boy are we up for a season oh uh, well just like always we're back that's right. Dom, we're successful working girls and podcasters. Look at us. It's been a truly wild ride. Are you ready to jump into the last official wild ride of That Is Season 2? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm the life coach for evil who will get a happy ending. Robert. And hi, I'm the transphobic remark your doctor will make to his nurse about you, Dom. <sighs> okay. So we start off this fabulous and epic comedic legend entering the fucking scene named after the episode right Joan Rivers being Uh, our consul, and more or less like I just want to say she's the guardian angel of this podcast she is she is the the, in in the series of Vietnam esque candles that we have we have Liz who is our lady of perpetual anesthesia Joan Rivers is very actively our lady of justice podcast period yes Fully, we salute you, Joan Rivers, for being a person in the world. We miss you greatly. Yeah. So anyway, she's at the cat house to undergo uh, her plastic surgery and to actually undo them. And for her very real grandson, Cooper, who she did have an amazing relationship with. If you've actually watched the Joan Rivers documentary, she mentions him a lot and how important her relationship with him is to her. Um, And you know what? He's now twenty twenty one. And plays lacrosse and looks really freaking cute. So good for him. Um, She's, you know, trying to set, you know, a good example for him. And she feels like she's living a lie with her appearance and wants to change that image. And uh, she also wants Cooper to know that there's no shame in aging. And I feel like this is actually like something that she inserted in this whole episode herself. I want to put that out there. Because I feel like Joan Rivers does not get enough credit for being a really good writer. Um, and she could do dramatic roles when she actually did them. Um, and so, you know what? She's going to get a great magazine cover out of this. And I love that she wise and says she hasn't had one since 94. Like, that's not true. Joan Rivers had numbers of covers after 94. Joan Rivers actually did one of my, I started watching it just a little bit, and it's a fascinating series. She did a YouTube series when YouTube series before they were actually a thing, which was in bed with Joan Rivers. And she had yeah. a fantastic episode. I think a lot of people have said that it's probably the best episode is the one with her and Bianca Del Rio.
1: Because it's fucking hilarious.
0: I love the episode with her and Bianca Del Rio, but I also really, really love the episode with her and uh, Kathy Kathy Griffin and Aubrey Plaza. And even the episode with RuPaul. I feel like that's a great episode. (laughs) I think Joan Rivers, to me, in, in all honesty, was probably one of, not only the best comedians of all time but she has such a damn good way of connecting with their with her audience and really understand she knows she's famous with the gays and i respect that i love a woman who acknowledges where her power is like kylie minogue that's the whole reason i'm your fan is because you know that fags made you and fags will break you but nevertheless we're gonna get back to this episode but we got to give a special shout out to cooper because i did actually watch some of the documentary and i actually do know that Much like her relationship with her daughter Melissa, she was incredibly close with Cooper. Cooper is yes, he's an adult now. That man is fine as hell because he's a lacrosse player and lacrosse is a different kind of hot just like rugby is a different kind of hot. But this episode is so like looking back on it now and looking at my notes at the time, this episode is so Ryan Murphy it's not even funny. Like this episode has a lot going on in it and it's Really, actually, really good. Yeah, it's back to the brim with so much happening. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really, God, like, I don't know if this is necessarily the season finale I wanted, but I just want to say that I appreciate Ava being the character that she is in the show. And I really, there's this is really, really controversial talking point. But she, she uh, at the time when this was going on, was really, really heavily critiqued. And, uh, Somebody like took a really good article and was like, "She's the true hero of Nip Tuck." And you know what? I think that's a fair assessment. I I agree tremendously because, and I'll and I'll say this because we've talked about Fumka's character and her acting in the show a lot, but this episode to me, honestly, to me made me respect her even more as an actress. Like, you get this experience with her playing this character. And yeah, it's you know it's a little dark, it's a little weird. It's it's different. And yeah, it. I'll be honest. This episode does come with a massive trigger warning because to me, me only, I cannot speak for everyone on this podcast, nor can I speak for the entire show. But this episode felt the most transphobic out of all of them so far. Oh because no, because totally of how no. it deals with it. A hundred percent. Like that's what I was saying. Like in season one, we have really great trans representation with like Sophia and, and then Parker. and then season two, they like. Hmm. okay so how can we make this a talking point but handle it poorly and make it adamant, like depth yeah so that's that's a thing that happens um but you know what the show will address that later in the series and totally handle it a lot better so but I, let's just say that eva is by far one of the most fascinating characters you'll ever see on the tv screen and she completely runs the entire show in five episodes or less and but she does it in such a really interesting and really intricate way that I'm still not fully over this storyline yet. Like it feels like there could like you could shift the entire show dynamic at this point to Ava, and I'd be I'd be unreasonably down for them. even though you yeah. hate this character at the initial, and you still kind of hate them as even though they kind of get their quote unquote comeuppance it's still more of a compelling story at times than even what our main characters are going through because it makes everything else seem very superficial. But we'll get into that. I will say, however, this, and I do want to comment on this, I love how Christian is so incredibly giddy having Joan Rivers in front of him. That proves to me that this character is not written as straight in any way, shape, or form. There is bisexuality (laughs) fully. Yeah, no, they're both far too happy to see John Rivers. No straight man would be this giddy to see John Rivers. Let's no, okay. although I will say this that Sean holding his pen in the weirdest fucking way, I noticed that and it was funny to me. Yeah, no, he's got like the uh, Chrono Magnum like hand grip on it for <laughs> some reason. Like, give me that Chrono Magnum hand grip. Yeah, like that's like a distinct acting choice that a lot of actors do when they're like, my my character is like a real caveman type of guy. I but mean, I acting choices. Yeah. We cut to Ava and Matt in bed, and Matt is staring at her as she just stares at the ceiling, you know, kind of dissatisfied. And We like, both have been there. That. Yeah, we both have been there for sure. Matt laments that, you know, she never smiles anymore and isn't communicating, and what she needs to do, like, what does he need to do for her to be happy? And she says, you know, she will never be happy, only in this little cozy cocoon at the house as people will judge them for their relationship, which I'm like, girl, get stop that. You're not emo. Get over yourself. <laughs> and then Matt does what any teenager in love says. Well, you know, let's have a crazy affair. We can run away to Paris and live a bohemian lifestyle where we drink wine and eat croissants. And I'm like, oh, BB, you you truly are a himbo. And uh, Ava declares that she cannot live without Adrian, who has run away, and that, she has medical issues which is the first time we ever hear about that ever existing for this character yeah and Matt offers to steal from his father and uh that there's no future that he wants without her and begs for her to say yes as they kiss because you know what's really gonna help this incredibly fractured and exceedingly horny relationship a trip to Paris and some stolen fentanyl that's what's really gonna really heal us as people yeah you know she's uh, one of the French girls now I mean, it's what every girl with health problems want. It's like, you know, steal from me like one of your French girls. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that I couldn't understand, i maybe this is me under, misunderstanding it, like obviously the show was hinting at this, but number one, presenting this as medical issues is really passing the buck on an opportunity to be progressive, number one. And number two, the fact that Ava is like, alluding to these medical issues being the larger issue when in reality to me at least it came off of like where you're so young and i'm so old they're gonna think it's weird it's like no offense but if you go anywhere outside of the u.s or pretty much in any social circle it's not that fucking weird and you can have this is me being an advocate playing devil's advocate here you can have a very healthy and consensual relationship with two consenting adults there who have tremendous age gaps not when they're 17 and 18 but you know
1: I know consenting I, I,
0: adult age, you know. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. You know what? It depends on where where you are in the world because I it's I hate to say this, but you know the age of consent is different in different places of the world. So this kind of relationship is more socially acceptable in certain atmospheres. But you know what? We don't condone anybody underage, um, you know, hooking up with an older person. So and, and don't do it, folks. Yeah. You have I'll be honest. It's not only what you don't have in common. It's that clearly and very actively, in my opinion, you're trying to fill a void of some type. Go to therapy, get the help you need. Maybe you'll find out, hey, they're not the right person for me. Or maybe they are, and you're totally in a healthy relationship. Who the fuck knows at this point? I don't want to judge. Yeah, and as you get older, too, like, if you are in a younger age gap relationship, you kind of, like, realize, no, I was for sure groomed. Like, that is for sure. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. Um, So back at the OR, we see the latest victim of the Carver as Liz and Nurse Linda take pity on the brutality of the victim that they're operating on. And, you know, shout out to Nurse Linda and Liz for actually being in the episode. We love seeing that. Right, Uh, even if they're here just for a brief moment. Yeah, and Sean says that, you know, he's the only person willing to personally operate on them. And he asks for a 15 blade as we see a hand handing him a gun. And who does it belong to? But our Poppy Chulo himself robert Lazardo reprising the role of kingpin escobar gallardo oh my god oh my god he's so hot it's literally that it really is. somewhere in the background if for all of you who don't know we really really love most Yal and uh liz baby liz the dj so um We're just going to shout them out, too, on this podcast. Uh, But anyways, you know, he's there. He's, like, gleefully, like, antagonizing Sean and asks, like, Liz how her leg is doing because, remember, he shot her. Uh, He also tells Sean the only way to end the Carver spree is with murder, and he declines that theory. But cut back to the patient, and it's Escobar who's taunting him even more about his lack of balls Then cuts the music to switch to the banger of cars. Instead of, like, the uh, Latino Fuego music that they're playing that's supposed to be, like, fusion flamenco, I would say. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's a hot mess. But, you know, he's like, no, we're turning off the shit and put on some good music. And uh, encourages him to take on the Carver like he did with himself. And comments how repressed that, Sh- like, Sean is. And uh, tells him, you know what? Give me the gun from Nurse Linda. And then pulls the trigger on himself. Well, uh, should I say escobar and then sean wakes up from this nightmare shaken up i just have to say that robert lizardo could eat me alive and i'd be okay with it and i i know we shouldn't make those comments thanks to Rob, thanks to army hammer but this man is so fine to me it's fucking insane how hot i find robert lizardo it's it's inappropriate but either way and, and, and he's he's aged so good too let's talk about that, God, that man has aged like fucking wine. if i could i'm not even joking I would immediately fucking cast him in a role where I would have him play the direct opposite of, like, a drug dealer or any shit like that. I would just have him be, like, a cool uncle or some shit. Like, I want him just to be in a show just for the sake of being in a show. But he's the Theo that you want to fuck at the barbecue. Ab-so-fucking-lutely. ab so fucking It's your Thea's boyfriend who's new and you're just like, I don't know what's going on, but this chair underneath me, this metal chair is just drenched right now. <laughs> Just you could fit a, a fucking hairspray bottle inside of me. That's how smooth it would go in. Like, no I joke. I need you to talk about the last line <laughs> that you have in your nose, so because I I needed to Well, your- I do want I do want to say this. I I love the fact that this show has waited a full season to bring back Robert Lazardo as Escobar. I think it's unnecessary. I think it would have been more interesting truthfully because Sean was so stressed that Escobar be more prevalent in other episodes like i understand why maybe casting issues maybe conflicts of schedules it happens but it would have been more cool if he would have been like a constant in the season like haunting sean's dreams and then it got more and more aggressive until this moment but oh just <laughs> wait he's gonna he's gonna keep doing this like as an apparition to sean's i hope to god he does but i find it fascinating that it's like do you remember that they dealt with a kingpin? because i don't remember that they dealt with a kingpin i mean i'm nope. joking i do I do remember when this, but this show fucking runs through storylines, especially this episode. Like Demi Lovato runs through album themes at this point. Like this bitch is all over the place. I'm just glad that you didn't say that she runs through lines. But you know what? We support you, Demi. It's we we really do love you. I was going uh-huh. to make a joke about her drug addiction, but then I realized it was actually more comedic when I when people actually acknowledge the fact that Demi Lovato, more than any other artist right now, will latch on to a theme for 15 seconds just long enough to create the album itself and then never fucking stretch it out further than that she doesn't know what the, sh- the fuck she's doing she doesn't understand it yeah you know what we we do support you demi you're a great person keep doing what you're doing in the world even if you're like a wild alien hunter and doing whatever the hell you're doing or but N.B. hunter sorry i want to be politically correct to the aliens uh, <laughs> or nbs Anyways, back to our show. Just do me the favor, Demi, and hire a better creative director. That's my only request, okay? You could have it. Fuck away from Scooter Braun. Please! Please. Anyways, meanwhile, Matt is stealing a list of medication from the office for Ava, only to be caught by Christian. Uh, He lies and says it's for himself, but Christian finds Ava's list and demands uh, that Matt tell the truth. And if he doesn't, he'll send him to jail. And he's just like, stop stealing from my cat house. And, uh, you know, you did it in such an obvious way that, you know, you got to spill the tea. So, cut to Ava pouring vodka rocks, or vodka on the rocks, for uh, Christian. And, you know what, I like that she pays attention. She's a good host. Who the fuck is drinking vodka on the rocks, though? Christian, apparently. Yeah, just Christian, because even I don't do that. I know. God, I hate vodka on the rocks. It's so bad um i had gin last night and whiskey and tequila and i was fucking toe up um ladies and gentlemen if you're wondering what our podcast is like after hours that's an example of it yeah that's true and uh cut to ava point well i said that line already sorry so they're kind of trading barbs and you know she calls him out on his bullshit threats and it gets kind of like erotically laced for whatever reason. And Ava encourages him to conquer her as she slaps him hard twice. And things get kind of steamy and then real assaulty where it's like, mm, this doesn't feel like it's consensual and we're going to non-con stuff. So... Yeah. And then Christian penetrates her and they stop. And Christian realizes that there's something different here. And as he leaves, Ava shouts, what's wrong? Am I too much of a woman for you? Which... For y'all who don't know, um, Ava Stealth. (laughs) I don't think that's a description we should have gone with, but okay. But this is, we've come to that moment now where the allusions to something begin, and this is really where it goes into Ryan Murphy territory. And what do I mean by that, folks? I mean that he's just going to dump some shit on you and be like, good luck, whores because he does that in a lot of his shows truthfully and this is to me where he where ryan murphy is at his most Murphyist. but i do love that matt is just actively stealing all these meds and doing so without so much as a question and to me it's one of those moments where it's like is this just his characterization where it's like he's so devoted to ava or is it just really a hard characterization (laughs) of matt being a stupid teenager like which is it because both work but one is a thousand times funnier than the other to me yeah and i feel like season three is like fully where we get matt to be the most likable that he'll end up being In the series, even though he's gonna do a lot of really terrible things. I Um, hope it gets worse. Oh god, it gets so much worse. Matt legitimately is the make up of the show, where it's just like you are going to be the punching bag for everybody, and you make every wrong choice possible. Like he starts off as such like an innocent person, and by the end of it, you're just like, Matt is a fucking scumbag. I do love though that Matt's little attitude that he has when he says, Because we're going away, and then he gives like the sluttiest little like fucking twink bottom chaotic bisexual demon energy of like bobbing his head to be like <laughs> forever and i was like i see you john hensley you don't fucking have to tell me you're in miami partying at the gay clubs don't you fucking lie to me because i saw that little chicken head that you gave us that little I, wobble yeah no i love that too he's right um so anyways he threw the first brick at stonewall <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that moment we we were <laughs> Our friend group had that joke going for a hot minute, and it, we both looked at each other in chat, basically, and we're like, "We were cops in Stonewall." Absolutely. So Sean meets with the detective um, to take on the carver. As Christian runs to his boyfriend, and we get the reveal that Ava is trans. She's a trans. She's gonna trans him. She's trans gonna trans him. Yeah, she said, oh, "Okay, you're a chaser now. Got you." Shout, shout out to Shout out to all of my chasers on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's terrible. Yeah. So cut to the trio looking at her up on Google and uh they all start talking about her vaginal canal. That's their words. And I'm like, let's just say that she has a vagina. <laughs> it's that simple. Um and they refer to her as the Hope Diamond of Transsexuals. I You know, Famco, like you're a cis woman, we love you for existing in the world. This, uh, a trans woman playing a trans character at this point in time is just not something that was going to happen. But, you know what? Like, for, let's say that this is a very stealth woman. And that's it's very true. Mamka, you are obviously a very appealing woman. Um, and they cannot find her at any time with like any of the big, like, big name centers that specialize in gender confirmation surgery. So they go on like a list of meds and they realize that like, oh, this is all for gender reassignment features Um, because they were kind of like, why do you need all these like hardcore like medication that you're grabbing, Matt? And then they kind of like piece it together, that these have double meanings for what they can do to the human body. Christian suggests telling Matt about this and Julia hard knows that because the stigma and trauma of like sleeping with a trans person in 04 was like a taboo thing for like, some reason, even though that a lot of people did it anyways. Namely, like, Danny Bonaduce and, like, Eddie Murphy. Allegedly. 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 Don't sue us. And Julia brings us up, uh, you know, a more valid reason that, you know, it was just shatter Matt's trust in Christian. And, you know, that's, I feel like it's a, a good place that we should have touched on to begin with. The detective then comes out of the uh, woodworks to let them know that the cameras are working and that this is all on camera, so they all just kind of, like, Look at each other and like, what are you doing, John? And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, added security. And Julia takes the laptop and then cracks the code because all women think alike. Like, she's like, oh, she has an outstanding balance at Hermes. And I'm like, good for you, girl, Rob Hermès. And they realize that she, uh if she wanted to to the transition. There, there would only be one place that this could have been at at this point in time. <sighs> I'm going to pause for just... Actually, no, I'm not going to pause. I'm going to let us go forward. This fucking sequence is so transphobic. It's it's transphobic with a capital T. Yes. So, yeah, this is... Again, this is where we're into the bad territory of talking about trans people. But that's going to get redeemed in season three. Okay? And then immediately it will be addressed in better conditions in season five. In season six. So that. Murphy through it okay brian murphy slip flop on this for whatever reason um liz briefs the boys about who to contact uh when they get to where they're going and they get a mention of sophia we love to hear that and that the trans community is incredibly protective of each other which is true uh, because being stealth in o4 was something that was really critical for your personal safety um and christian asks how he can win over the dolls in five minutes and liz is like You fucked like half the female population and a few dolls. And Liz now is like, there was a reason I wasn't attracted to her. And it's like, I don't feel like we ever got to see that, but all right. Um, And the boys just take off. First of all, does Christian worship the dolls? Because you know he does. But more specifically, Liz being transphobic now, goddamn. I know. This is your community, Liz. Like, you were dating a trans person in season one. We saw that. I'm not trying to say that I'm suddenly a better person for this, but I would actively and very comfortably date a transversion with almost no issue. Hit yeah. me the fuck up. I'm not opposed to it. Like it does it is not a problem in my book. You wanna fuck me, you wanna date me? Let's fucking go. Let's see what happens. Honestly. It's just there's nothing wrong with it. Date trans people. They're awesome. They're fucking people. Also, Good. I'm gonna be i am I'm gonna be controversial and say that trans boys are probably some of the cutest boys out there. That's just me. And then moving along. I love men who respect my, my autonomy. Oh god, that is so hot when they respect your autonomy. Uh just view me as a sexy lamp but a person who actually has autonomy rights. Oh, uh, tell me about my thoughts, feelings, hopes, and dreams. Yeah, explain to me my gender dysphoria <laughs> and make me feel like a better person. Ow. <laughs> Help me deconstruct the color blue. It's true. But like, what even is gender anyways? Let's have a conversation. No. Okay. Cut to Adrian buying a knife with the uh, intent of gutting someone. Oh God. He's so fucking hot and so fucking crazy. Yeah, Seth Gable, you, you did well. You did really well at this time. Seth Gable, I'm going to be completely honest. Had I seen this, this show at the time that it was airing, I would have fully been a stalker. And I'm okay with admitting that now. He is so fine and he, yes it is that very generic white boy energy. I know. I know. But let me have this, okay? I'm just glad that he reappeared recently in American Horror Stories. He should be right. in more shit. He's attractive enough and he's talented enough. He plays crazy really well. Well he's too busy being trophy husband to Bryce Dallas Howard. Like, <laughs> Honestly though, you know she gets she, you know she wears a strap while she still gets fucked by him she fully found him on like I don't know Helix Studios at this time. I love that I love that idea or even Sean Cody it's, okay. it's Sean Cody but it's Sean Cody before they did their revamp to be more inclusive it's when they were still really really white this is true so it cuts to a group of people you know taking place where like trans folks talk about their trans issues and we get our first glimpse of Cherry Peck who will be in season three And that character is played by Willem, the icon herself. And they talk about passing in a bathroom situation, and the head counselor, Carol, is played by Tasha Smith, who is an underrated as hell black actress, and a very good close and personal friend with Tyra Banks. You probably have seen her on the early seasons of America's Next Top Model, where they ever had the acting challenge. You know, the very iconic one where Robin kind of comes in late, and They have to do a storyline about a character named Laura, and she goes, "You know me, Laura. Last stop, what I was doing, and I got a pottery class. I started doing sculptures, and I even sell some of them on the side." And it's like that. But had nothing to do with the script, and I love that. And she's doing this with Tay Diggs, and he's like, "What the fuck is she on? (laughs) What's going on here?"
1: Remember yeah. when Tay Diggs was like
0: the hottest black celebrity on the fucking face of the planet? I mean, he still is attractive, don't get me wrong. But there was a very specific period in the early 2000s where that man could have literally spit in the general direction of a crowd of women and they would have gotten six of them pregnant. Yeah, he was like Denzel level of attractive at he one point. He was so hot. Yeah. So they talk about like their fears of what's going on with her transness. And Carol uh, reveals that her biggest fear is not being able to go to an airport since 9-11, that TSA has become a lot more firm, which is true. Um, and this, I, I don't even think about this. Like, trans people have to navigate the world like that, too. And I had a discussion with our friend Anya about, like, when we go to bars and stuff like that, when she has to hand her ID to people and it's her previous information. And I'm like, hmm, this is, this is something I'd never even thought of and how that would affect how I navigate the world. Hey. Uh, continue we'll get we'll get to it in a second i want to get through the sequence and then we'll talk about this a little bit because it's kind of a lot yeah the boys barge in and mention that they know sofia lopez and carol's like what the fuck do you white men think that you're doing here this is them immediately (laughs) and has everybody else leave and so they can talk in private and they lied to get records and she points out that the original surgeon uh has you know the person that they want to go to because That's who has her records. And guess who it is? We go to a swanky manor to reveal Dr. Barrett Moore, Ava's husband, and doctor, played by Alec Baldwin. Which, it's an interesting choice to have Alec Baldwin be in this episode. And I'm going to say this before we forget about it. This is probably Alec Baldwin's cheesiest fucking role to me. Like, you could put this on pasta, and it would probably still be too cheesy. It's given camp. It, very much so. This is, like, a character that at, like, two years ago's Met Gala, where it's just, like, the theme was camp. Literally, this is a character that would have actually shown up. But, again, backing up in the sequence, I adore Willem. I want everyone in the world to understand the level of respect, admiration, and pure comedy that I think Willem is. Talent, too. Very... One of my favorite drag queens. I love them to death.
1: Yeah, I'll say that here and
0: now. We both love Willem. Just fucking great. So Just And the fact that we haven't seen them live is... Really a crime maybe we need to resolve that it oh, you be 2023 you haven 't seen Willem live i've seen Willem live at least like five times i haven't I need to re- I need to fix that I need to start seeing some of these fucking drag queens live anyway yeah, let's go to race tracers live there we go let's go absolutely i'll do it but <laughs> this episode has already presented us with a lot of information about trans experiences and transphobia specifically and unfortunately the writing in this episode really really stagnates that experience and really makes it difficult to talk about i identify as non-binary and queer the non-binary part is technically in my experience accepted by the trans community i personally don't apply the trans terminology to me i think i probably could at this point especially with how often i fucking question my gender But in my experience, and this is just to give some perspective, because I don't know exactly the dynamics of our listenership entirely too much, or even for the sake of conversation between you and I, navigating certain areas of life as a person who does not dress or act or um, conform to their gender that is presented to the world is actually relatively difficult even in just my own line of work that I am working in. I do try and express my queerness through certain minor details or choices of clothing. And thankfully I have a staff and a boss, several bosses and supervisors who are all really supportive of it. They don't think anything of it. They're like, no, you're very capable at your job. It's not a, it's a non-issue to us. It's, they t- we talk about it and they have questions obviously, and I'm more than willing to fill them in because they're at least being respectful. But I have had shares of customers, clients, make very actively homophobic slash transphobic remarks to me. And in just those instances of having to navigate that, it's enough of a challenge for me as an individual, to the extent that I fully could not even begin to understand I mean, I could if I moved in that direction, but at this point in my life, at this juncture, I could not begin to fully understand the absolute chaos and stress that a trans person goes through when it comes to things like, like you said, TSA, presenting your idea at a bar, or going to certain events and presenting yourself in, in the way that you feel comfortable with, but is not necessarily, quote unquote, conforming to the gender that other people have perceived of you like i can't fully understand that and my heart genuinely goes out to the trans community as a whole because it is it's fucking difficult out there and when you live in a world that doesn't accept you doesn't tolerate you doesn't believe you either it does not make it any easier that's right we heard the nip talk podcast we support the trans community oh fully yeah fully um so anyways He's giving a trans metaphor while discussing the, his fascination with botany and every orchid being in the proximity of their person, that they're hybrids. And it's just like, hmm, okay, this, this is very coded language. <laughs> Tell me more about how you feel about this. There is also something very, very uncomfy that is going to be mentioned later on in this episode that I'm going to have to talk about now so I don't forget it. It's the metaphor of Frankenstein's monster. And I fucking hate this episode for making that assumption and using that as the statement that goes along with it. Because exactly what Alec Baldwin's character talks about, about basically creating hybrids, that's not what the trans experience is fucking like like, like at all. Like, I understand this is early 2000s, but holy shit, this is so inaccurate. It's offensive. Yeah, so basically he turned to being a botanist because flowers never leave or disappoint aka he's simping over ava still mm-hmm. um, he dead names her and uh we're not going to do that because we respect trans people and you know discusses her previous uh backstory through exposition and is like well she was a sex worker and was drawn to barrett himself and transitioned to be with him and barrett confesses that he couldn't love her because she's trans which is a bad take and a bad book. Um, they had a surrogate baby, which is Adrian, and Ava left and never looked back because Barrett, you know, couldn't, you know, be a person. And then comments that this is a very bad take. And I'm like, I really, Ryan Murphy just leaned in hard with the transphobia, where he was like, the ultimate creature of transformation, transforming others. That transphobic rhetoric in my opinion it's oh, it's so it's, transphobic it's cringe this is O four. its worst um the boys you know talk about her predatory behavior with matt and adrian and barrett comments on how it makes sense because they're less experienced with the female form and they wouldn't know that her vaginal floor quote-unquote isn't deep enough and uh you know regrets to not deepening it for her while he had the chance and you he gives them profiles, which is a breach of HIPAA. So, you guys, don't do that. That's, that's terrible stuff. Again, like we said, this episode does a lot of things wrong, and it only does a handful of things right. And I'm, I don't think we have enough time to really get into what it does wrong or what it does right, because it's just a lot. It's a lot of Ryan Murphy throwing things at us and being like, hey, good luck! Yeah. Cuts of Julia being greeted by Sean asking about Zenith. And she was like, you know what? I'm focused on like what Eva is doing. Did you get her files? Did you break the law? Did you do that for me? It's for her son. And then Sean, you know, also brought her mace as a romantic gesture. And they exchanged like a few nice things about caring about one another. And Sean is supposed to have, you know, a meet with Matt while Julia is going to go meet with Eva. I liked this little exchange t- for some reason, but it also felt unnecessary. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just kind of like a one a off scene. But moving right along, the-, the trio decides to take it to the streets and confront both of them respectfully in their own way. Sean and Christian are going to have some gunch together which is what I'm going to call guys brunch is gunch now. And I hope it never catches on. And I hope it makes you super fucking comfortable as I continue to say it loudly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they are, they go and they have, are pulling some reverse psychology to support Matt <clears throat> with this trip to gay, excuse me. I mean, faggy puri And I guess it kind of works because it, it, it kind of starts to work where you can see, Matt being like, well, what happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if this happens? What happens? It's like, dude, they're trying to actually be supportive to get you the fuck out of this relationship. That's what they're trying to do. So just, you know. Yeah, they're planting the seeds in your head, Maddie. They're doubting. Did you come to plant seeds of doubt in my fields of peace? Absolutely. But Ava is going to their girls' lunch with uh, Julia and Julia is on her A-game. She's got her don't-fuck-with-me earrings on. She's got a dress that's way too nice for this fucking location. And she presents everything to her from the very get-go. We literally see Ava reading her own fucking file. Which yes. is very uncomfortable. Whether you are cis, het, or trans. That's gotta be super fucking uncomfortable. That someone just happens to have this incredibly sensitive medical document about you. And it's like, I'll ruin your life, bitch. And you're just kinda like, "Oh, okay thanks, I guess. I will give credit here that it is kind of where we get to see Julia in her full self. Where she does actually compliment Ava and be like, if it hadn't been for you, none of this would have happened. And what I mean by none of this is, I wouldn't be able to confront you right now in this situation. Which is good. That, that's a good thing. That means that this character has at least been somewhat effective. But, if, by contrast, it also segues into... Julia kind of confronting Ava and telling her to cut it off, being like, we're done. You don't need to be doing this. Leave my fucking kid alone. To which Ava basically wipes her her makeup away with her sexy little compact and goes, first of all, make me bitch, because the only way that you're getting rid of me is if you fix my final flaw and make my pussy perfect. I honestly wish that would have been the line she said. I mean, she shut up. It would have been more effective. Yeah, in our minds, we hear it. We autocorrected to it. Yeah. And honestly, like, Ava calling out Julia for not respecting her pronouns is good. Uh, You don't have to misgender somebody that you don't like to make a point. Um, This plot is also cuckoo bananas, to be honest. Like, Matt is a himbo, and I don't understand, like, if they were hinging on this reaction from him, they would have, like, I don't know, taken this in a better direction, because they're all kind of, like, adults who have high-functioning brains, we would assume, because they do high-functioning tasks every day. And, uh, Yeah, they... Let them have Paris. Honestly, Ava is the true hero of the show. Like, I said what I said before. And she is a good life coach, apparently, because she burned down this entire show in five episodes or less. And... Good for her. For demanding that they do her post. Fix it. Make it perfect. Well, we cut to the surgery room, speaking of which where Christian and Sean are suited up and ready to re-grout Ava's tiles, so to speak. But because neither of them are experienced enough to do the tile work, they actually call in, what a shock, what a twist, Dr. Moore himself to help them out, especially since he did most of, if not all, of Ava's surgeries. The song choice in the background for this is Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones, which, number one, is a solid choice, in my opinion. An odd choice for this but it is about like this is one of the few songs that I was like actually on board with the choice for. But did you know that they have a cover of this version, a duet version with Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine? Yeah, it's but fucking I great. Sundays, I'm a hardcore The Sundays Wild Horses cover fan. Like that one, I just think there's something that just holds a distinct time and place in my mind. I'll have to look also that so one they, up. Yeah, it's it was in Buffy. They also played it at my prom for our slow dance song. Oh so yeah. But we get the very quick jump cut from ava counting backwards which i think this is supposed to be a time jump here i do wish they had a little bit of like a time stamp to show us exactly how long has transpired but obviously it's not been super long because matt is still on his nonsense being like we're going to paris i got tickets we're gonna go and we're gonna live our best life and it's like i love the fact that ava in this sequence is just actively mad at matt for being 18 and messy <laughs> like, girl, you're fucking an 18 year old. What do you expect them to do? Well, you know what? She she follows through with what she said she would do, which is like leave him if they did the surgery. So that's what she does. And uh I have to say that she is fascinating and absolutely deserves that. And Christian even like acknowledges that she's a fascinating person. Um uh, and bragging about his cock for trans allyship is a a weird choice but okay go off um but yeah no matt and ava's relationship ending like this is gonna be a big plot line for season three so be prepared for that i hope to god it gets fucking weird after this oh yeah it really does season three okay we're we have a lot to talk about there season three season three season three it's here i'm excited but you know, we get this jump back again. Again, again. this show is throwing a lot of shit at you. It's really trying to cover a lot of ground in a single episode of 45 Minutes. So we're back with Joan Rivers. It was still being an absolute force that we all know and miss tremendously. And she's given the boys, the boys are giving her a true showcase of what the fuck she's going to look like. And being like, hey, this is what the surgery's going to look like. You're going to look old and you're going to look weird. And she's like, that doesn't look like me. And they're like, that's because it is you just actually what you probably would have looked like had you not had surgeries and she gets pissed off she declines and decides to take decides to be the truthful amazing wonderful plastic filled self that she is which i love that joan rivers had had so much work i don't know why i just do but I mean, she's where i get my like spam key joke from where i'm like oh yeah for sure I'm like i instead of getting more work done, i'm just gonna put a spam key in the back of my head and just tighten it as i go <laughs> just crank it back every few months yeah i mean that's what but, we have to do yeah you know what we're gonna get more of joan on this like series we're gonna get her i think at least one or two more episodes okay that brings me comfort because i was concerned because i didn't know if this was the end of miss Rivers on this experience or if she's coming back no. i will say this though too early on when we first introduced her at the very beginning of the episode I do love the fact that she remarks about why she came to Miami and to them specifically, because it's more inconspicuous than going to New York or L.A. And it's actually like, okay, got to give you some credit there for making that at least make sense in terms of the show, you know? Yeah. And it's a totally justifiable reason. Yeah. And it's it's a believable storyline for Joan Rivers. Okay? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, she... I feel like she did write a lot of her own dialogue in this episode, and it's the the few things that do work in this episode. So, you know, always compliments to Joan. Well, you know she fucking wrote some of these jokes. You know that they probably let her write it, and they're like, okay, Joan, well, you can't say the F word that many times, so and you can't call this person a cunt, so, you know, cut that out, but we're gonna use the rest. I know, and I still... I really did take that joke, too, when she's like, when I know when I get a letter that says, dear cunt, it's either from somebody who hates me, or it's from my mother. <laughs> or it's from... <laughs> from uh melissa <laughs> i was just like i love it i would love the fact if we could just peer into their personal lives for like five minutes and that's actually how they were to each other because i genuinely love that energy when you have a good dynamic with your parents it's fucking fun i'm not saying you have to have it it doesn't make you a better person i'm just saying when you do have it it's kind of fucking hilarious yeah Melissa rivers is a genuinely like cool person too 100 like love and support you too melissa the roast that they did of joan rivers if you ever actually watched watched it they talk a lot of shit about melissa during it but melissa is actively in on it and you can tell that she's very okay with it because she's like yeah this is comedy this is my mother yeah and she i love grew out, like watching her mother do this for a living <laughs> but back on the live taping set of days of our lives ava is packing and Adrienne is back got knife in hand and she's shocked, and she's like, but we're going to go to Paris together. You're back, and I love you, and everything is good. And they kiss, and things get weird. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to keep moving on. Because, again, my question is, why the fuck just Paris? It's one city in all of France, and there's a shit ton of more France to explore. Yeah, and I... Okay, we're getting into the shocking twist of this season, because I feel like this... Genuinely, the first time you see this, is a very shocking moment. It actually did take me by surprise because you don't understand what's happening in this moment. And there's a lot of like, but I love you so much and I just want us to be happy and you think, Oh, she's going to be killed. Ava's going to be killed. Nope. Adrian stabs himself and he does it under the guise of now you can never leave me because you have to take care of me. But my entire question, and this is just me saying it because I'm this kind of person did he stab like a major artery or something? Because a homeboy's out in like under two minutes. Seems to be implied that like he slit his stomach open and like int- like scream like when we get Drew Barrymore <laughs> in the first kill, where it's just like yeah, he he actually just gutted himself. Um, the way that that kill in scream is still the best one in the entire fucking series, and I will argue that to the hilt. It, you you can't top it like that. Ass the only one you I can maybe the scream for like intro scene, and it's because it's so many fake outs and it's interesting and I think that that was you know, cool, and it's genuinely like a very like realistic murder, so you know, there's that, um, but yeah, this, this scene is very shocking. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. Adrian he, he stabs himself and you have. Ava kind of screaming her heart out over the situation. And it really is an interesting choice to have it intercut with Christian, Sean, and Julia and the whole caboodle kind of having a pleasant spaghetti dinner together. At least I thought it was. I just saw bread. I don't know what like they were eating. But um, we get this this very domestic experience of the trio and the kids and everything kind of coming, coming, I don't want to say full circle, but coming down from what the season had been. Matt's obviously there. He's very distraught still about what's going on. So they're all trying to be supportive. But you also then get this incredibly, incredibly gay shot of Sean and Christian being domestic. And Christian being like, don't worry, babe, I'll help you clean up. And all I can think to myself is, what? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it is kind of a full circle moment where it's like we're breaking up the family and then reuniting it and we're better people because we went through the things that we went through. And it's like, hmm, I don't know if I would say that, Ryan Murphy. I feel like this was very like sloppily handled, but that's OK. We have a show to get to and season three is right around the corner. So wrap up season two for me. Absolutely. We're just going to keep powering through it. Yeah. Like when like when the bottom tells you to stop and you're just like, well, maybe maybe you can handle a little bit more that's i'm just joking that's terrible if your bottom tells you to stop fucking stop absolutely but uh they, they help him clean up christian goes home sean very actively is shown locking the door because the carver is still a thing and the show likes to remind us in very subtle ways of this but then we get sean being in the bathroom and he pulls out a gun and i'm just gonna say this if a shirtless escobar was in the bathroom reflection behind me i would just bend over you just <laughs> bend over i don't care you said use the gun in me exactly i had the bullet in me (laughs) i want you to nut in me and then shoot me in the head (laughs) literally i love that tiktok literally trixie mattel saying that is still something that i am mad that is not on a shirt which is is this too far i want him to come in my throat snap my neck and hide my body (laughs) it's if that that quote resonates with me so much some days it's not even fucking funny yeah, no, there was, uh, for me, it was a TikTok at one point where it's just, like, when a girl says that she's not freaky, she's like, I've never done anything like this before. And the next thing you know, this is a guy, like, just beating on her. And she's like, oh, that's all you got? And then choke me, choke me out. And then at one point, he's like, use a gun on me. shoot me in the brain. It's literally that. It's literally, like, it's every every porn has this happen at least once in it when it's, it's the scripted every straight porn is the hurt locker every straight porn is the hurt locker, every- <laughs> every is the hurt locker. why is every the bone straight- collector <laughs> it's so bone why is every fucking episode why is every straight porn like the fucking first 15 minutes of losing isaiah why is it so <laughs> aggressive what are you trying to work out i don't know straight porn has a lot of Fucking weird things in it and like i'm not gonna lie i of course like being a bisexual person i watch straight porn occasionally but i'm just like oh god like it's it's a whole other different dynamic and i don't know why the gay porn is just so much more loving and tender for whatever reason it i depends recently on the theme. oh yeah completely i recently found a twitter that i'm tempted to share with you because i did not know that i was actually interested in this and i'm very confused by it sexually because it's basically fe- it's not femdom i don't want to call it but I, it's mm-hmm. basically the only title that can be accurately applied to it. And it's, number one, progressive, because I love this. And number two, I don't know where this is. Th- I, I guess I like a submissive man. Learning things about myself each and every day. Pegging for feminism. Absolutely. Anyways, back to the main plot. Yeah, back to the main plot line, which is actually perf- a perfect segue. Speaking of begging, we get Ava looking very high glam. This is a great look and it, uh, for Famca. I love it actually. Yeah, big this, hat, this is giant a sunglasses, fit. a fucking fit. Okay, I love this outfit. Good it's so it's such a good fucking look. I wish I could have the waist to hit proportions that she has in this shot because her ass is actually perfectly sculpted. At least it's like if they padded it. I don't know what the fuck they did, but they got her fully fit into this dress. Yeah. But. She also gets stopped. She is at the airport. She's taking a flight. Obviously, we do not know where, but she is stopped by what can only be described as the Sean Cody porn model of TSA guards, because this man is unreasonably hot as fuck, in my opinion, personal opinion, and he's he stops her. He looks over her passport. And it harkens back to what Carol was talking about earlier about passing at the airport as whatever gender you present. And there's a little bit of hesitation in Ava's face. Famka really leans in and makes the performance very believable. And the guy says, oh, you have yourself a great trip, Miss Moore, and leaves it at that, and as he kind of like checks her out, I guess, kind of like subtly is supposed to be implied. I think a wink would have made it more intentional, but that's just me. And she walks away. But I will be honest, I was listening to music while watching this last portion of the show, and I, if I could recast or re-edit this scene, I would 100% have Kim Petris's XXX play over this as she walks away. Honestly. And you know what? Like, my whole thing is that Ava had this passport ready to go. She she didn't have to worry about it. She's so stealth. It's not even, like, a question anymore. For the Did her. you see her fucking picture? Yes. <laughs> I... <I'm... laughs> I love it because it's the fakest fucking passport photo in the history of passport photos. It's so well stylized. It's perfectly lit. It's amazing. Yeah, but but you know what, Afamka, like we salute you for being on the show. You did a really like good job of being an interesting villain. And again, and in a season where you have eighteen episodes, and you were only appearing in five of them, which is not even a third of them. (laughs) like she did what she needed to do to be a villain we love it oh absolutely absolutely Femka fully proved to me in this in this season and in this show that she is a severely underrated actress you give her a complex role that bitch is gonna fucking eat and i wish they would do that more with her she has a very distinct look that i love she has a very classic affection for film and cinema that you can tell is there And she knows how to deal with the nuance. It's so fucking good. Yeah, we salute you for being one of the coolest Dutch people out there, I think. I I think she's Dutch. She might be Danish. I don't know. She's one of the two. But she's awesome. She's something with a complicated name. But, you know, we can learn. it. Yeah, and Ava gets her storyline that I want, which is her going to Perry and living her best life. Absolutely. She deserves to get everything she wants. But uh, we cut back to Sean in the last few moments of season two. And Sean has apparently been listening to the Beatles White Album a little too much because clearly Happiness is a Warm Gun has been on his fucking most played playlist because he is laying in bed cradling that thing for dear life. And we get this interesting intercut section of the carver appearing. And what we think again, another twist happens where we think Sean is going to be the victim. And instead, Christian is the one that stabbed. With a hypodermic needle that is very clearly empty, I'm just gonna say that I'm not trying to question set dressing here, but fucking lean in and get the fucking needle filled, okay? Yeah, and you know what? Like this is where we're leaving the season. Is Christian being attacked by the carver? Well, yeah. With a perfect little slash, we have ended our show. We have, and we have segued almost near perfectly into Halloween and our and our coming soon bonus episodes of spooky shit yeah i can't wait to to get out there in the world where we're just gonna do like four episodes sorry you guys you're getting four bonus episodes in the next month but there's they're all fun think of it that way they're gonna be so much fun and then we're gonna get into season three but you know what Dom? how did you feel about the season wrap-up i have to be honest out of all of the episodes that we've covered so far I actually genuinely had a really good time watching this. And I can say this with absolutely no hesitation, and this is me being 100% honest here, is that comparatively speaking where the other episodes, like, okay, you're doing this, this is, this is interesting, you know this is fun. I actually had to physically stop writing my notes like three times, if not more, while watching this episode because I was so entranced by what the fuck was happening yeah and i really can't wait because going again onwards this is where the show really becomes the show that it's known to be on tv where it's like it is titillating it is camp it is high concept camp it is so like interesting tv like in every like salacious manner possible it is fun like this is where the series becomes fun and i cannot wait to get to it and we get all of our main players next season. Like, we have – the credits are going to be so stacked with names now. Because before, it's just like, uh, you know, just Julian, Sean – or Dylan, uh, Julie, Jolie Richardson, uh, Matt Hensley, and Roma Mafia. We're getting Kimber joining the cast. We're getting Gina joining the cast. We're getting – uh, Bruno, who is Doctor Quentin Costa in the cast? We're getting so many more people like joining the main cast. <sighs> uh, Doctor Quentin Costa, Jesus yeah. Christ, man! We're we're gonna get a lot of him, and I cannot wait. I we're... live for him. I'm just gonna be just running through fucking tissues and Vaseline this month. <sighs> yeah, me too. I cannot wait. I I fucking love you, Bruno Campos, for being a hot ass man no but truthfully this this season as a collective it did have a lot going on you dealt with a lot of different storylines you dealt with a lot of different characters but this episode really actually felt very compelling it was fascinating to watch this all play out i do like the dream sequence that is a nice callback to season one that reminds us that escobar is technically still a threat even though he's behind bars we have an actual villain that is getting closer and closer and actually does come full circle which is the Carver, which we're probably going to get more of in Season 3, which I'm very excited for. Every episode. Every episode the Carver makes an appearance. Oh, so. thank God. My yeah. nipples are erect. <laughs> Literally, like, we're, we're, we got no, like, episodes of our main villain in Season 2. Like, every episode in Season 3 is about the Carver. Well, and this is the thing. It's like, look, this villain may not be the most well-thought-out individual because he's just mutilating people, but i again like i said a couple episodes ago i genuinely love a show that has something like this i can't watch criminal minds because they solve this shit too easy law and order the same thing i don't like the new stuff but when a show decides to introduce like what is considered a quote-unquote serial something or other i'm fucking hooked for some reason with this yeah you okay like the season three opener like episode you're not even prepared for how fucking fun it is like it is a fun ride and like it just it has a lot to be invested in like a lot to be invested in for no reason but yeah i i look forward to doing that um dom do you want to talk about like what our bonus episodes are going to be for spooky season, or do you want to just wait until we just drop all the titles? Oh no, 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 no! I actually we're gonna. How much time do we have? Where are we sitting at with this fucking podcast right now? Let's That's let's see. The time. Why not? We sure. Fuck it. We not do a long discussion for talk about it. We're only an hour deep, so you know what? You take the lead because I'm pretty sure that you have the actual list compiled already, and I will just oh, gotcha. lean in with my thoughts. Okay. Before I forget so, too I just want to say this. I was re-listening to our Fire Island episode just today. We genuinely did not like that film. <laughs> we spent we... the better part of like 45 minutes just talking about how much we fucking can't stand the film without actually talking about the film. Yeah, you know what? Fuck that. Uh, Billy Billy Eichner, we are going to have some words with you, bro, because f- I, I really fucking have an issue for how you talked about how much you dislike the movie, Billy, and how much you think it doesn't fucking matter and is, is a disposable film I'm... because it's an indie film. Oh, God. Like, I'm gonna, fuck you. That's so pretentious. I'm not, so not going to put anybody on blast, but I am in someone's Twitter circle who just today tweeted about them giving an invite to go to the premiere of Bros. And they themselves said very actively that they do not want to see the film, but they want to go to the premiere. And I have never related to a tweet more in my entire existence than <sighs> that moment right there. It's like, I don't want to see this film. I have no interest in seeing... Judd Apatow and Billy Eichner attempt to make palatable gay porn. Basically, I don't want to sit here and watch it. I, yeah, and like I, I really have an issue with like this movie already. I, I'm I'm so heated about it existing. And uh, you know what? Like we may have like disparaged a lot of the things that happen in Fire Island because it were like poorly handled, but it is a very like representative film. It is a very like it attempts to be inclusive where it can be. And you know what? That's, that's admirable. It's not necessarily a story that is geared towards us. And we understand that. And we understand that this may have a deeper cultural significance to other people. Um, But that being said too, like there's other queer Asian led films. um, Are they necessarily played by all queer castmates like these movies? No, but we do want to acknowledge that this does have some, cultural significance for other people what? and uh you know we're not in any way shape or form devaluing it for being a quote-unquote like disposable like indie film that no one's gonna go see Fire to Island? Agner. yeah fuck you billy agner but Honestly, the, okay thinking. but the thing is we're, because we're gonna be talking about our spooky season stuff and this is actually a perfect segue into what we're talking about right now with spooky season stuff is yeah. queer films and queer media are always presented as disposable they're seen as stories that, than or, yeah, or lesser than. They're not met with the same type of reverence or the same type of interest that other movies have brought on. And the perfect example that I can think of off the top of my head that is not related to Spooky Season, but is something that is that happened recently that people remember is when Moonlight won over La La Land. Yeah, La La Land was the most generic fucking white narrative film I have ever seen in my entire life. I haven't even seen the film, but the trailers the clips that i've seen on youtube it's it's boring to me it does nothing it doesn't feed me in any way shape or form and i know not all films are going to do that i come into to this podcast and into this entire concept of cinema understanding that not every film is going to be this prolific life-changing experience i get that but moonlight winning that year and being a film that very actively actively chose to talk about how difficult and uncomfortable sometimes it is to be a black man in america with all these societal pressures with all of this racism with all of this homophobia with all of this internalized homophobia and machismo which is what latinos call it it was a well-deserved much-needed film that still needs to be studied analyzed respected and understood at this point no it's not on the same level as fire island i will not say that it is because they are two completely different films that set out to do two completely different things my critiques of fire island because i was reading i was listening to them earlier Mm -hmm. they're harsh i won't lie but i won't dismiss fire island simply because i didn't enjoy it fire island is a product of the people that made it yeah of course and yeah there are flaws in it that i can see as someone who likes queer cinema but it is still necessary because, as I said in the episode, when the fuck else do we have a queer film that has a POC cast that specifically has two Asian leads in it that talk exactly. about being in gay relationships and kind of yeah, they kind of dance around it and they make it palatable for a white audience or a, a more broad audience, more specifically, it's, it's this head audience. It's this is head audience, but it does its job fairly well and it uses a a medium and a storyline that is palatable exactly and you know i, I want to say this too like i hate Pass. that people really undervalue like bad queer cinema for existing because if, frankly like how else were we gonna get where we are today where billy eichner is getting his fucking studio produced movie absolutely backed movie like not another gay movie paved the way for this john waters paved the way for this Gregoraki paved the way for this like jamie babbitt paved the way for this like, fucking bruce LeBruce paved the way for this yes all these kind of anger um i'm trying to remember others that i can be deal- there's a shit ton of other films and other people who were creating what is considered quote-unquote bad films to get the point across to get even just our foot in the door yeah and you know what like I, it's cool like we had love simon that was our first quote-unquote like gay rom-com from a studio and it's like you know what like billy Ackner, cool like you're getting a really like cool concept of getting people who are queer to actually just be the entire cast of the movie we love that we love to see that but you know what like you're not better than any of these people like you're not the first person to even have that concept because i guarantee you there's plenty of other queer directors who would have loved to do that but but, and, and it's, like, this story, like, you can just tell is going to be filled with, like, toxic white gay culture. Like, and if you're not a, a mask for a mask gay, like, it, this movie isn't going to be for you. So, like, and I, I can't wait to see how fast it drops out of theaters and hits streaming services. And then you're going to have to talk about that embarrassment. I want to see this film mostly because I need to know what it's going to talk about. I need to see exactly what this movie is planning on doing because it's trying how how do i put this you know when someone actively tries to be subversive for the sake of subversion and it totally falls flat on its face that's the sensation i'm getting just from these trailers alone right now yeah and i also want to say too real quick is that billy eichner was so quick to call out ross matthews and like put him down because he's a fat and like femme gay right and Billy Eichner is like, yeah, like my segment, Billy on the Streets, was original, and it's like Ross Matthews was doing this way before you ever did. First and fucking foremost, pay him some fucking dues, and then second of all, like I—that's I, probably the only time you're ever gonna hear me say, like even try to defend Ross Matthews as a person. But that being said, too, like he has no issue being like me and Joel Kim Booster, and like you know, uh, we're bowing Yang, but like, we're on good terms. Like we—I can't wait to be in our scrap produced. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Laurie, like remake. And it's like, why are you trying to put the whole narrative that we don't want gays against each other? And yet you're going to dismiss Ross Matthews for being femme? Well, because they like to. Yeah. Like, they like to. They like to to, see that's the thing. And this is the problem with. And we're, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it short and keep it sweet because we do want to talk about our bonus episodes that are coming out because spooky season is very important to me. But this entire mentality that in order for you to be on this platform and to be elevated has to be built upon your tearing down and destruction of another person is super fucking toxic it doesn't work with women it doesn't work with men it doesn't work with gay people it doesn't work with black people it doesn't work with anybody it doesn't fucking work that's not how you get your product sold across by talking shit about another person and being like i'm doing it so much better we are a podcast that is talking about a show from 20 years ago, and every time we've talked about another podcast on here, it has never, at least in my memory, you can correct me if I'm wrong, audience, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I do not think we've ever actually talked shit about another podcast on this <laughs> no. show. There's no me too. Maybe Joe Rogan's podcast, but I mean, like... Yeah, but that's Joe Rogan. He has a big enough following that he can take care of himself. What the fuck do we matter to him? Honestly, and he's, we're, we're completely different, different demographics and you know what like i I just i take a lot of issue with this movie already and i take a lot of issue with the people behind this movie but back to our main thing which is going to be our halloween episodes i'm going to list off the movies that we're going to talk about right now we're Um, gonna get look let me let's just say this though really quick to put a nice capstone to this we're gonna do a long episode possibly a two-parter to bros we're gonna watch it we're gonna take really detailed notes and we're gonna come at it the same exact way that we did with fire island we're not going to pull any punches. We're just going to give our honest opinions as a bisexual and a queer person living in this world and consuming this media. And if you don't want to fucking hear it, then don't tune into those episodes. It's really that simple. Honestly. And if you think that, like, the pinnacle of white gay culture is this movie, like, and it, or the pinnacle of queer culture in general is going to be this movie, you're sorely mistaken. Like, Billy Eichner, like I don't think you understand. How few people that this movie is going to actually pull in, and I'm sorry to say that. Like, yeah, it's going to pull in a a broader audience than most people would assume it to have, but like in terms of the numbers that it's probably going to get, I don't think it's going to be that good. I'm going in with hesitancy to begin with, yeah, because of of a few very specific reasons, and my number one reason, and this is this is my most controversial opinion. This cast has a main fucking character that is white and cis with his quote unquote differently abled brother, and that already screams questions and problems to me because of how they're going to present this. Yeah, if it has any 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 aura about it, to me, it's going to. I, I swear to God, I can hear the the terminology being ableist, transphobic. homophobic and sexist and that being the crux of its comedy well you know it's produced by jodap is how so enemy of the podcast jodap is how but it's gonna be that and that's all i anticipate and i'm okay with that i've (laughs) mentally prepped myself for that yeah i i just i can't wait for it to be reductive and for us to talk about reductive things that it does um okay so getting to the fun stuff we're gonna talk about four movies first movie season two that i picked two that dom I'm assuming that we both have kind of come to the agreement that we're going to talk about these movies. We'll toss them up and see what I think. We're going to talk about Orphan First Kill because it is high camp. (gasps) High concept camp. It is so good. And I live for this movie. Um, I have come to love this movie a lot more than I should. Um, (laughs) Like, this is like high concept camp to me. And then we're talking about Hellbent because we need to talk about Hellbent. Which, for those of you who don't know what that movie is, it is the first queer-centered horror story that was a low-budget indie film. So, fuck off Billy Adderner again. I'm going to say it again. Um, Dom, your choices were The Covenant, right? We were yes. going to talk about The Covenant.
1: That movie yeah. is
0: so fucking gay! I, oh, God, it's so How is, is and of all people that it has in it, is... <laughs> fucking um what the hell is his name Sebastian Stan is like our main villain and he plays like this incredibly hot main villain this movie is so gay yeah no literally four of the five main cast members that we have in that movie end up on Gossip Girl go piss girl go piss girl go see a therapist girl go see a therapist girl um and then and we're talking about the og gossip world not the 2021 remake um which is also like worth worth talking about i'm gonna put that out there it's not as bad as people make it seem it's actually pretty good um and i feel like the cast has really really good potential for who they are in real life i mean like they have some really fun people on that uh and then your other pick was i think i don't it wasn't the craft we, we were gonna talk about something else you you have one more picked on. What what other thing do you want to watch? Do you remember if it was recent or if it was older? I feel like it was something older because I know the covenant was like one thing. I don't know what your other one would have been. I At this ahead. point Out of the top of my head, there's a couple that are coming into my mind. Okay. Ginger Snaps is one of them because I would love to talk about Ginger Snaps because I'm a huge fucking fan of that movie. I it holds a special place in my heart because I've literally this is Again, being vulnerable to the gig, I've always wanted to write a werewolf story that is centered around something similar to this, but, you know, different, very gay, very different. But Ginger Snaps is a fascinating one. This one's not necessarily scary, but it is a horror movie nonetheless, which would have been The Hunger, which is an 80s, very actively lesbian vampire flick. Yeah, it's fascinating. It has David Bowie in it. For some fucking reason, he's just there. He has no weight on the plot, but he's just in the movie. Yeah. I've seen it. It's fascinating to watch that just for him. You know what? I'm also going to throw up uh even the concept we might even do a fifth episode because I really love to talk about this movie, uh Five Girls. I found out it's on the Peacock app. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we got to talk about Five Girls. I, I will get a I will fit I will finalize the last couple of episodes. I know The Covenant is definitely one that I wanted to watch because while I have never fully seen it, I know the plot of it. I've seen plenty of clips of it. And that movie is incredibly faggy, whether you like to admit it or not. That movie is the gayest fucking movie to ever come out. And especially during this era with witch talk being a thing, which Twitter being a thing, it's fascinating to see an alternative that was kind of a competing um, sh- movie to The Craft. Because if I'm not mistaken, The Craft came out first. And The Covenant came out really quickly after it. But it's a boy-centered film and i the homoeroticism in that movie there needs to be a porno version of it if someone makes a porno version of it i will fully buy a a physical copy of it and here's the thing too that you don't know about the covenant is that during the shower scene that takes place in oh it there was God. fully there was fully full, mental, full frontal male nudity <laughs> like and they had to blur it out like they added digital fog to censor the movie <laughs> and the reason that that is so significant is because that movie was made in the late '90s, where male nudity was still not acceptable. No, so the puppet was fully mid 2000s. Oh, it was. Am I off? Fully mid 2000s. Oh God. God! Like this was just... like this is this is before Twilight, right? But this is like Blood and Chocolate era, where we're like we're gonna do teenage fantasy, but not know how to do it. That oh God which is still arguable to, that's still applicable to uh, twilight <laughs> because i still don't feel like they knew what they were doing with that movie either but twilight you know, that's because twilight's plot is so fucking paper thin that they're like we add anything to this nothing makes sense no like the way that they have like literally and i get it like it's common for there to be like different directors for each installment in a super franchise but like god damn they are so totally different every time it's a different movie like there, there's no consistent tone throughout the movie it, this could be like five different movies just with the same character oh yeah completely yeah but oh god it's uh I, I can't wait to do all the halloween content with you um so i would love to do ginger snaps personally i think that's a great movie to talk about or the hunger uh but i, I really 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 love ginger snaps too in particular that movie does not get enough credit for how good it is yeah because we we're not doing we're not gonna do jennifer's body Unfortunately, no. There's too many people already talking about Jennifer's body. I mean, we I, we we can at another point in time, but we're not going to do it for this Halloween. Season. Let's just no. say this: if you haven't seen Jennifer's body at this point and don't understand that this entire movie is literally needy, being bisexual and very horny for her best friend, you clearly and have missed Jennifer doing the same thing. Yeah, and Jennifer doing the same thing. You clearly don't understand the entire fucking point of the movie. That's literally the movie. That's really the crux of what makes their relationship so fascinating and so interesting is that their relationship is very, very, very actively gay with intention. I just can't wait for the Megan Fox renaissance that we're going to get. Like Matthew McConaughey got his redemption arc. We're going to get that for Megan Fox. It's going to happen. I'm putting it out there for the universe. I want it so badly because not only is Megan Fox to me one of the most attractive women on the face of the planet, aside from Margot Robbie... She is also unbearably talented. She is, and she's so much more interesting and fascinating and, like, cool, like, and it's not because she's, like, a pick-me girl. Like, she just is a really, like, well-spoken, articulate, like, interesting person. But she makes the cringiest decisions for publicity reasons, and I'm like, why? Like, "I I don't understand why you do this, Megan. Like, let people see the real you. Megan, please. We're begging you break up with mgk we need you to just do it okay like pull the trigger on that and date like i don't know margot robbie for example i think that would be so much a better relationship for her give give megan fox a, a lesbian love interest come on she's bisexual there's a couple that i'm thinking of that we could do specifically i mean the fair street trilogy would be a great one but that's a, that's a show and i don't want to do a show again i rather do an actual movie yeah so, there's a couple that I can think of. Like I said, The Hunger might be one of them. The other one that we could theoretically do is Stranger by the, by the Lake, but, eh. Yeah, that's, I, I, look, I have less to say about Strangers by the Lake. I will I- say this, very minor book talk, not book talk, but podcast book suggestions that I have. I currently have two that I'm, three that I'm working on, mm-hmm. but two books that I'm reading that are very actively queer and very actively gay. My best friend managed to find me a copy of The Uncensored Picture of Dorian Gray, which if you've never read that book, that book is thick as fuck, but it is great. It's so fucking gay. Yeah, Um, it's great. Love it. I'm reading also, uh, is it These Violent Delights, which is not the one with the floral cover. There are two books right now going on that are by the same title, These Violent Delights. This one is actually written by uh, Micah i can never pronounce his last name he is a trans they are a trans author and this is their first book the book is very long but it is very gay and it is fascinating to read so far what little i've read and i believe i had one more and i can't remember what the hell it is off the top of my head right now but either way that's those are my minor book recommendations i'll report in later with more yeah you know what i can't wait for to happen to because it's coming out at some point like in the near future is the red white and royal blue like book franchise adaptation Shut the fuck up this podcast I, I, is over I kind of want it I kind of I don't i it. no I don't I don't want it I don't want I, it I, I, like I have no interest in Rose, it I I know I will personally stop you right there You are not going to punish me with making me watch the rupee car of fucking gay relationship films I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm not going to watch it. I refuse. It just feels like okay, anybody who doesn't know me if there's a type of erotica that I really love, it is the tropiest tropiest smut possible. And it's like I want it hardcore like enemies to lovers like plotline or like this is such an extremist like dumb thing where it's like you yes, want to watch but... captured captive prince, don't you? I I <laughs> but i love the fact that like that's it, what it is huh you want to watch yeah. captive prince you yeah. want to sit and watch a two and a half hour full hardcore erotic version of captive prince because your ass needs it yeah but that being said so too i'm just like you know like <laughs> let's lean in with like the son, the first lady's son the first woman of the united states son dating the royal prince, <laughs> the royal prince of whatever country he's from in this movie yeah i can't wait i I'm, i love it i can't wait I, there's apparently also, I did not know this, Mm -hmm. and this is our book segment because we're talking about it now, I did not know this, I do not know to what extent it is true because I literally cannot find any information on it for some weird reason, there's apparently an Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe movie. Yes. Um, But I haven't been able to find a trailer for it. I don't know if it's in production still or not, but yeah. Well, according but according to a couple of people that i follow on tiktok specifically book i'm not a part of book talk people do not get me involved in this shit that book talk does but according to the people that i follow that recommend specifically queer media they've mm-hmm. already had a screening for it okay so I mean, I'm like, was, it's like the geography club the geography club had like a huge ass thing that was uh you know in production and then like uh what's it called a lot like summer or feels like summer that, that like movie that failed horribly though yeah, and you know it's sort of geography club, but I do want to say that the Enten twins, who are the people who wrote and produced that movie, um, I'm very happy for them because I I love them. Um, I think they are both very attractive twins, and I, I feel so bad for them because they were for sure looped into Brian Singer's bullshit nonsense. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's a whole ass other conversation, but yeah, um, go support indie queer films and go read queer literature, okay? Like it. <sighs> Do that kind of thing okay people do- you mentioned this earlier and i think it's important to re- reiterate this point is we need more queer films that are mediocre yeah we do okay because we're not all we're not hyperbolic we're not going to be the two extreme polarities of like it is is success or a failure we we have to have it all well okay? not only that but it's like there there was i can't remember which what the documentary is disclosure 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 talks about it from the trans point of view where they very actively say that the trans characters either have to completely fade into the background and be non-existent or they have to be exceptional and there's not enough films that show trans characters just being average and yeah i am in the same camp where it's like I want my characters, whether I'm writing them or whether other people are writing them or whether they're, they're part of the media that I consume, even when it comes to horror films, because that's what we're talking about. I want them to be a a mixture of everything. I don't want one to just stand out. I want them to be kind of boring. Yeah. I want to say too, like real quick, I'm going to plug this. The new Queer Spoke fucking slaps. It is so good. It has problems, but you know what? It is largely very successful. And it it updated everything it needed to do in the right way, so if you have the option to stream the new queer as please do. Jesse James Kaitel owns my entire body, my heart, soul. I I I fucking love Jesse James Kaitel. I'll have biggest to consider. Biggest breakout star it. 2022 for me. Okay, biggest breakout star in 2022 for me. Jesse James Kaitel. At the rate that this is going, it's like I'm gonna end up having to fucking watch this show, and I don't want to just because of that first episode, but. Uh, yeah but once you get past that like and I know it's the premise for the whole first season that they're like dealing with this trauma of the event that takes place uh, it, it's it's actually like really good like in ways that you don't anticipate it to be and every character like every character ends up being a very likable character except for like the main Brian Kinney based one and then the Justin Taylor character that are there but otherwise every other character is super likable. Like it's very conflicting because I'm like, I feel like the main draw of the show should be the main characters, but I'm like, no, every side character I prefer to watch. I do. They're much more entertaining. They're much better actors. And I'm just like, okay, cool, let's let's stick with them. You know. All right. I'll I'll give I'll give it a chance then. Yeah, and let me say to you, like, the subject matter is they succeed in every way that Fire Island does not. Like, that's the whole, like, funny thing is that they just don't mention that these things, like, just take place. They actually, like, address them, like, with legitimate, like, well-crafted, like, execution. So shout-out to the new fuck writers. Y'all are doing great. Keep it up. There's a lot of good queer media today. There's also a lot of bad queer media today, and that... It sounds counterintuitive, but it is true. We need both. You need yeah, to and- have both. And we we here at Nip Talk Pod, we accept it and we understand that it's necessary to the growth. It's not a bad thing to have movies like Bros that we're gonna fucking hate. It's not bad to have movies like Fire Island that everybody else likes, but we hate it. It's okay. Those are things that are gonna happen. Yeah. And also shout out to the, the again, the whole cast of the new gossip world reboot, because in all honesty they're they're all fucking fantastic actors. They are and every character who's not the main like cis het characters are so much more interesting too. They're they're all great. Shout out to all the peoples, y'all are great. All right, yeah. I feel like this wraps up our our episode, and um, we're gonna do our overview next week. So be prepared for that. We're gonna give our legitimate thoughts on the season in a much more holistic sense uh, next episode, and then we're gonna get into some fun, spoopy content. So enjoy. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And remember, just because it's good media doesn't mean it has to be good media. That's right. And bad media doesn't mean that it's bad. Exactly. Except for in the cases of like bros. Okay. So good night. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.